This is Siri checking in. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sylvia F. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, September 20th, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 101, the third paragraph. And we're starting on where it says, uh, so our rule. Today's readers are uh, on the 12 steps, Maria A, 12 traditions, Carrie S. And our readers of the text are Kathy Jo P, Penny LC, and Sherry KB. Our newcomer greeter at the end of the hour is Melanie C. The reference number for Tuesday, September 19th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time is 10448, 10448. And the reference number for this morning's meeting, 7 a.m. Wednesday, September 20th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 10450, 10450. Our preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Maria A. to read the 12 steps. And start one to unmute. Hi, this is Maria A. from New York. Um, the 12 steps. One, we admit we were powerless over a food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admit to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, make a list of all persons we had harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Nine, make direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditate to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for doing service, and I'll pass. Thank you, Maria A. And Carrie S., uh, if you could read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Sylvia. Thank you for – can I be heard? Yes. Okay, good morning. This is Carrie S. in Golden, Colorado, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, 
each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before person- personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you, Carrie S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except for the speaker, should be muted. Today we read, we resume our study of the big book on page 101. It's the third paragraph that begins, so our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking. And we will read to two paragraphs, and we will share on both those paragraphs. And I will now ask Kathy Jo P. to begin the reading. This is Kathy Jo P., a recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking. If we have a legitimate reason for being there, that includes bars, nightclubs, dances, receptions, weddings, even plain ordinary whoopee parties. To a person who has had experience with an alcoholic, this may seem like tempting providence, but it isn't. You will note that we made an important qualification. Therefore, ask yourself on each occasion, Have I any good social, business, or personal reason for going to this place? Or am I expecting to steal a little vicarious pleasure from the atmosphere of such places? If you answer these questions satisfactorily, you need have no apprehension. Go or stay away whichever seems best, but be sure you are on solid ground before before you start and that your motive in going is thoroughly good. Do not think about what you will get out of the occasion. Think Think of what you can bring to it. But if you are shaky, you had better work with another alcoholic instead. I want to start with um, changing my list that includes bars, nightclubs, dances, and put in um, buffets, potlucks, all-you-can-eat buffets. Um, I um, before I've been I've been abstinent before. I've been clean with food before, and I've been on diets before. But I was always the biggest freaking burden in town. 
it's like I would walk in the door and every single person knew in the knew in the room what my needs were. And I would give you my list. And you probably could offer me things, but no matter what, it wasn't good enough for me because for me it was so much about the food. And I have shown up at many places in the last 15 months and not partaken or ordered something simple off of a menu or had my own little meal with me and no one noticed. And it took me not very long to realize that I have changed with that and I really believe it's because I'm spiritually fit. Even my mom, I would before I would get to town, when I would go visit her in Omaha, I would give her the list of everything she had to buy me before I arrived. I made it her job, her problem. And if she didn't do it right, I let her know. And now I think my food is even cleaner, but I don't draw attention in the negative way that I used to do. Um, I also want to share that I have a sponsor here in Minnesota that came to my whoopee parties and watched me eat fried foods and drink wine, but she still showed up abstinent with a smile on her face and a gift for me on time and listening to people and connecting with people and being of service. And I thanked her for that. Um, A few months ago, I told her that she modeled where I wanted to be in recovery all those years. And she never preached to me. She never shamed me. But she showed up as a light of service for me and the people around. And... um, I have been with fellows taking them to a meeting and having them binge in my car on the way. And I'm learning not to judge them and just to love them and not to preach to them. And I'm very grateful for that. And at the same time, when they ask about my food or how I do it, I will share that. And the thing that I always like to say and many of us have said is that God has removed the desire and that I can be happy without it. On Facebook when we got back on one of our pages, somebody wrote how hard this program is. And I can tell you, as long as I'm spiritually fit and I'm working this program, this program is not hard. And I am a content Recovered compulsive overeater, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kathy Jo P. So um, I'm ready to take a list of um, people who want to share. Page 101. It's the last. Uh, John K. Okay, so out of Bonnie that, M. Uh, I I have Bonnie M. I have John K. And I'm Kathleen O. Kathleen O. L. P. Reggie O. Uh, Penny Elsie, I've got, uh, I'm just missing one person. Oh, no, I think I have it. Okay, so who I've got is Bonnie K, John K, Kathleen O, Penny Elsie, Reggie O, and Paula D. So let's start with Bonnie K, then followed by John K. Go ahead, Bonnie. Bonnie M, like in Mary. Oh. Bonnie M. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, I'm Bonnie M., recovered compulsive overeater from Arizona, and very, very grateful to be here and to have everybody as my family. Um, In the beginning, when I first came to, uh, not Vision, but OA, um, I had a lot of anxiety about... Um, different places to go, and my life had been about whoopee parties and uh, being very social. And in the beginning, I, and there was a couple that my husband and I probably spent every weekend with partying one way or another. 
And I absolutely had to back off. And they thought I was a snob for doing that, but I absolutely knew I couldn't handle it. And in the process of working this program, um, and that's why I always say trust the process, trust the process. And also just even asking the question of yourself, can I handle this? And, uh, and I was always thought I was one that could handle anything, but once I got into OA, I, I mean, and asked the question, could I be at that party and not indulge? I mean, I knew the answer was no. And I backed off, and, uh, and they thought I was a snob. In the process, and I had to say it isn't about that, and whether they believed me or not, which they didn't, I don't think, um, you know, it took a little impact on my relationship with them. However, in this process, little by little, by little by little, not fast, I began to trust myself in different places. And... Um, and and that's one one of the reasons I I love this program. Did I put myself down for not being able to handle it? You know, fortunately I didn't. And fortunately, integrity was you know is a huge part of OA, and I trust it that I was telling the truth to myself because I'm also one that thinks, oh, I can handle it. I mean, that's been one of my favorite phrases. I can handle it, and and then find out that I can't. And it is such a gift to go from, and I love, I love looking back and looking at where I've been and where I am now. And uh, even now, I am a chairman of a fine dining group in the area that I live in, and I can do my abstinence in that group, and no one, you know, no one even knows that I'm really doing that. And uh, and it's it's amazing. And 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 the other thing is that I can be more, more and more and more and more. I can be with people outside the program, and maintain my abstinence, take care of myself, and uh, and it's all because you know never est- underestimate the power of God. That's what I've got to say. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Bonnie M. John K. Followed by Kathleen O. John. Good morning. This is John Kiernan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, the comedian part of me saw that and said, whoopee parties, I have no trouble with whoopee parties. Now, whoopee pies, I have a problem. But, uh, you know, I, I think it just hits it right there, the, the fact that there is this good reason threshold to be in slippery places. You know, when I was new to AA, um, I had about three or four months of sobriety and you know, it was in the prehistoric days before the internet. <clears throat> and I wanted to go to clubs, you know, to meet the opposite sex. And, sex. and uh, when I asked my sponsor if he, it was okay to do that in AA, he said to me, what it turns out I didn't know was a, uh, an AA expression, and I hope I don't offend anybody with this, but he told me, you don't go to a whorehouse to listen to the piano player. Which I think is pretty funny now. But the point was I'd be going to meet women, he told me, and what would happen if I got rejected? And what if I started to feel bad about myself? Well, my solution for feeling bad is right on a shelf right behind the other side of that bar. And so that's the reason in AA meetings area where I got sober in Connecticut, we had a lot of dances. So at least if I get rejected there, the solution would be so immediately available. And, you know, for some people, their sponsor would even be there. Um, but after a while, it, you know, this wasn't a problem at all. The problem had been removed root and branch. Uh, I still don't, didn't go into bars alone for no reason. But, you know, I was a comedian, and I worked at comedy clubs, and they make most of their money selling alcohol. And I would talk to people after the show with them holding a drink right under my nose. But, again, that wasn't a problem. Uh, today, another example for me is, you know, out here in L.A., we have a Starbucks on every corner, and uh, I happen to like their iced tea. And, and uh, uh, you know, I'll be standing there, and there'll be all these, uh, you know, goodies in, the, in the, the case there. And I don't even like to call them goodies. They're certainly not good for me, at least not in the volume I ate them. Um, but my disease will still, 35 years in or 22 years absent, and so, oh, it'll still talk to me once in a while. Oh, look at that. Maybe you should have that. And luckily I can go, well, thanks for sharing, but no, I won't be doing that. Uh, and we were in New York City the day after the uh, convention, and we were walking around Times Square, and, you know, there's a, there there's a Dunkin' Donuts on every corner. And, and I know East Coast people, I used to be one, uh, you know, supposedly really liked their coffee. It wasn't very good when I was there. But... 
I remember saying to my wife, you know, if I found out that their iced tea was marvelous, I think I'd still choose Starbucks over Dunkin' Donuts. Why? Because why inflict that on myself? Donuts were a major part of my disease. You know, I could put Homer Simpson to shame when it came to donuts. Now, if I had a reason to be there, I would. But given the choice, I would choose not to be there just because, you know, you know it's, it's not like day in and day out this program's hard, but why make it any harder than it has to be? And, and just to dovetail on something that Kathy Joe was say, saying, you know, it, you know, somebody was writing about it's hard. And you know what? It's not hard for me today. It's not hard for a lot of people who have long-term recovery. It's actually very easy. Or well, we wouldn't do it. We're not masochists. But in the beginning, it was hard, and I'll wrap up. That, but to get to the place where abstinence is easy, or mostly easy, you sometimes have to go through the time when it was hard first. And we need to make sure people understand that reality and not have them expecting it to be easy in the beginning. And with that, I pass. Thank you, John Kay. Kathleen O, followed by Penny Elsie. Thank you so much, Sylvia. Good morning. This is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. And, you know, this, this is a... These are such great directions for um, if I'm feeling shaky. And there were times when I was feeling shaky. Um, and, and also the directions uh, or the, you know, information about how important it is to be on solid ground. So when I was fairly new in recovery, I went to a party. And there was a lot of people. And they served a lot of food on this table. And... Um, and I, I didn't have a desire to eat, but I was feeling very uncomfortable because I had already eaten before I went, and I knew I wasn't going to eat. And I was feeling like an oddball. It was like I didn't know how I was going to make this happen without calling attention to myself. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, getting being able to stay in this program, get out of my get out of my ego has been so helpful. Um, because the truth is, nobody even noticed what I was doing or not doing. But what I did do was I got in the, I was talking to someone and I got in the end of the line when people were going through piling up their plates. And when that person starts to take their food, I excused myself and I went and got in my car and I called my sponsor and I said, I'm just feeling really uncomfortable. Um, I don't want to eat, but I'm feeling odd. And so anyway, she kind of talked me through it and I went back in. And I went and sat at a table. There were several tables, and I sat at a table. And I'll tell you, no one said anything to me that I didn't have food. I think they probably thought I ate my food and switched tables. Um, so, I mean, you know, to have the support in this program when we are on shaky, we do need to go to someone else and ask for help sometimes. And, you know, there was a, there was a time when I was not spiritually fit, and I, I was in a situation where we were camping with friends, and you know, the hors d'oeuvres and the, and the alcohol came out for happy hour. I was not in fit spiritual condition. Um, and, you know, so what did I do? My, my addicts told me, oh, you know what? Um, I can eat a little bit of this just like these people. Well, being a, being a compulsive overeater, you know where that took me. And it, and it took a really long time to get my abstinence back. So today, having worked the program and the steps thoroughly and living in 10, 11, and 12, being on these meetings, talking to all of you, you know, I can go places and I don't want things. Um, you know, not fighting the food anymore is a miracle. And you know, when I go into Starbucks and I look in that, that case of poison, that's what it looks like to me. It's poison. I have no desire to eat it at all. And, and I also know that the person standing behind me Anyway, I hear the timer, so I'm going to pass. And thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to keep me honest. Uh, <laughs> Kathleen, no, uh, Penny LC, followed by Reggie O. Good morning, Sylvia, and good morning to everyone on the line. This is Penny LC, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. And this makes me um, reflect on my own journey when I first uh, was working on my recovery, I remember feeling the term I would use is the white-knuckle abstinence. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted to get through that 
first 24 hours. And, um, and you know, each day would, would, would build upon itself. And, um, and then I, you know, was able to learn more about the program, begin my step work, and then I believed what I had, what I call is my head abstinence. I understood intellectually what I was, what what I needed to uh, be doing, and what I needed to be thinking. But it wasn't until uh, I really felt convicted about my recovery that I then realized I could uh, express it as heart abstinence. You know, that, that when I abstain from compulsive overeating, I'm doing it because it's my higher power's will for me, and that's what I choose to do. I choose to follow my higher power's will for me. And my higher power has blessed me in return with removing my mental obsession. And, um, you know, I have, I have a knowing within. I have a peace within that um, allows me to go anywhere and be with anyone and not have to be consumed by uh, any food product. And um, it's, it's an amazing process, but I also know that I just it, it takes checking in with my higher power, making sure my motives are correct, and that I'm working from that place of an inner honesty when I am making choices. Um, but also, too, walking into any venue and just knowing that as long as I walk in with God, that I all will be well. And um, thank you for letting me share. Thank you for your service, Sylvia. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Reggie O., followed by Paula D. Hey, good morning, Sylvia. Thanks so much for your service this morning and everybody that's here. I'm really grateful to be on the call and I've loved, really loved listening to the shares that everybody's done so far this morning. Um, you know, this this section that we started yesterday started with assuming we are spiritually fit and, um, and you know, and then this just goes on to unfold that. When we, when we were was listening to people share this morning and reading this section, I was reminded of my very first Thanksgiving in um, OA. I'd, gone, I'd come into OA in June and, and on Thanksgiving, some OA people decided to have Thanksgiving together. And so there were about 20, oh gosh, there must have been somewhere between 20 and 30 of us. And we just had a very long table in someone's space who could uh, uh, create that, you know, had that space for that table. And everybody brought their abstinent dishes. There were lots of scales and measuring spoons and everything else. And it was uh, it was just truly a joyful, thankful occasion to, you know, to, to, be, uh, to be there with them. Um, a table full of wonderful food and a group of compulsive eaters around who were committed to having an abstinent Thanksgiving. So I, you know, I don't remember a, a better Thanksgiving that I've had, and that's one of my, you know, that's one of my most favorite times of the year. Um, you know, it, it's boy, I, but my my history with this has been on both sides. You know, I've stayed away from, I've stayed away from events, social events where there was food because. I was afraid my compulsion would, this was not being spiritually fit, and I was afraid my compulsion would take over and I wouldn't be able to eat or binge the way that I wanted to in this public location. And, you know, and then the other side of that is I've also been in spaces where someone said before, oh, yeah, I can handle this. And underneath this, I can handle this was this, idea that I was hiding from myself that I would get some vicarious pleasure or I could stretch my stretch my food a little bit or what you know whatever the whatever the case may be and um and I love what someone just well you know spiritually fit going back to spiritually fit in this last paragraph you know uh make sure your motive for going is thoroughly good and it makes me think you know spiritually fit a big part of that is the way we look at it here is is get moving from the self-centeredness to God and other centeredness you know and so we think not of what you know I think and this is what I truly desire to think not of what I can get out of the occasion but what I can bring to it and any time that I remember that you know I'm on 
solid ground. I'm not going for selfish reasons, you know. I'm going for very good reasons. And, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's good to know shaky ground. I've also been in the place where, yeah, where I, I thought I was good. I can handle this, you know, and I was on shaky ground. So it's, um, and, and what the last person said, when I am convicted, you know, when I am convicted, those moments I'm convicted about my abstinence and God goes before me, uh, you know, then it's in my heart and all is well. So it's it calls for, uh, you know, a, I think a a, 12, a step 12 version of st- uh, step one, you know, honesty. So, you know, we've gone through the 12 steps, spiritually fit, and that honesty is very, very deep and strong. And I'll pass with that. Thank you, Reggie O. Paula D. This would be Paula D., recovered by and with the grace of God, and I thank you for your service today, Sylvia. And it's truly more than a pleasure to be on here. This is where I get my true nutrition for the day. And you know what's strange? As I was reading this, I was drawn to another page and then another page. And this is what happens when I go to places. Sometimes I think of this and think of that. And I have to draw back on. I have to take a step back. Because it says here, if we have a legitimate, I'm just going to circle. No, oh, why? It's already in squiggly lines, already for me. It knows a legitimate reason for being there. Imagine going for, to a wedding to celebrate a couple coming together. Imagine going to a dance to dance. Imagine going to a reception to receive. I. As I looked at these, there's two things that I'd like to go back to. On 85, a dear friend of mine shared on this. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Neutrality is well-being. Am I, is there a sense in me of well-being? Then I can go anywhere. Then I can go anywhere. But look at what happened to Bill W. I love. You know, he was human like us. And he never wanted to be put on a pedestal, nor will I, because then I won't learn from him, because I will think he's above me and not parallel to me. And also, I am above no one. One dismal afternoon, he, put, he paced a hotel lobby, you know, on 154. Oh, down the lobby, remember the atmosphere? A door opened into an attractive bar. He could see the gay crowd inside, and there he would find companionship and release. Unless he took some drinks, he might not have the courage to scrape an acquaintance and would have a lonely weekend. Of course he couldn't drink. But why not sit, hopefully, at a table? Look at what's happening here. And look, I'm just going to sit at the table. But I'm going to go on here. He was on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink. With a shiver. Look at this. Look what kicked in. Well-being. And it keeps wanting to come through. And he walked down. I'm hearing somebody on on the other line. I'm not sure who. And walked down, and that's fine, by the way, and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from afar. But what did he do? Period. His responsibilities. I, who was so irresponsible. That's well-being. That's well-being. I think these paragraphs... They're a life change. This book isn't for information. Oh, I can tell you a page here and a page here. That isn't what did it. It was a transformation in how I thought, how I lived. I'm coming into closing in my time here, and I thank you for the time given. And so I will end with, so our rule is not to avoid a place where is the drinking if we have a legitimate reason for being there. Thank you again for allowing me the time to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Uh, if I could remind everybody that if you're not speaking, to please be muted. And I'm about to take another list of who would like to share. Charles D. Okay, I got Charles H. I got Sherry KB. So if you guys can mute, there's a lot of background noise. And then I'll go on with the rest of the list. Shawnee B. Millie D. Beth B. Chris B. Gina R. Okay, I think. Uh, Gina. 
Okay, this is what I've got. And I, I'm going to mess up on the um, initial of your last name. So when you get on, just introduce yourself. Charles H., Sherry K.B., Shawnee B., I think, Millie B., Beth, Chris, and Gina are. So go ahead, Charles, followed by Sherry K.B. Thank you very much, um, Sylvia, for your service. And by the way, as a side note, you're not the out of the park um, Sunday on your special edition. I, I truly um, am grateful for your service. So Charles H. will cover composing over here. Um, I love that if, if we have a legitimate reason. Um, and, and, and I'll be frankly open with you guys. Uh, there's two places in the big book that I don't agree with. Um, there's one place in uh, chapter 10 where it says, you know, give them sweets, give them chocolates. Um, I don't agree with that, and that's okay. <laughs> I can still have a, a seat at the table. I'm reminded on page 17, there's a solution, that I do have a seat at the table. Um, and, and I, you know, um, I also agree with if he has a legitimate reason. Now, me being, um, I'm not an alcoholic, but I'm definitely a compulsive overeater and ex-recovered crackhead. Now, I'm just, that's just my label. I know that if I go, um, again, to a crack house, there's no legitimate reason for me to go to a crack house. So I have to stay out of a crack house. Now, for example, I do work in an area where it's drug infested. I'm not avoiding crack. <laughs> Somebody showed me a bag yesterday, and I said, you know, I, I'll pray for those people. I can't avoid it, but I'm not going into fire. That's fire for me. But I'm not, where food is concerned, I don't avoid aisles because I, I, you know, because my binge foods are in them. I don't avoid TV because food, you know, binge foods are all over the world and stuff like that. Um, so in that regard, I definitely get what, you know, what the, our forefathers are, are teaching me. Um, and, you know, I have no legitimate reason to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. I have no legitimate reason, but I do have a reason to go to barbecues or, or, or swap meets if I'm in, you know, Watts, California. Hopefully I'll be there in 2018. So I want to go to Watts. I want to go, I, you know, there's no place I can't go on the earth, well, as far as food is concerned. I want to go down there, you know, and with that I pass. Thank you, um, Sylvia, for your service. Thank you, Charles H. Sherry KB, followed by Shawnee B. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. Sherry Fabian in Northern California, great for recovered compulsive reader. Thank you for your service, Sylvia, and everybody on the line. And I'm trying to get my timer for you. <laughs> um, I've got you anyway. Thanks, Sylvia. Um, anyhow, uh, I, I really like the way this is laid out. You know, it says our rule is not to avoid places where there is drinking, if there's a legitimate reason. So it names all these places that, you know, we can go if, if it, we have legitimate reasons for being there. But also says if you will note that we made important qualifications. You know, you have to ask yourself, you know, do you have a good reason to be there? And, you know, or, or are you expecting to steal a, you know, a vicarious pleasure from the atmosphere? Well, I have to tell you, before um, I did this work in this book, I used to have this edge to me about going to places and saying I could handle it when I really couldn't because I wasn't. I didn't really work the steps, and I wasn't living in the steps, and I was white-knuckling abstinent is what was going on. And I was really honestly still in my disease because I remember watching uh, TV commercials that had food items in it that I would stop and pause and watch it and think, oh, I can handle this. I mean, that was insane behavior on my part, honestly. I really believe it, it was. And uh, now today on the commercials, I love watching the energy guys are bunny because it reminds me of keep going Sherry and there's power with your higher power. So that's a difference today for me. Also I like this part about um, about what I can bring to the occasion because before I got recovered, I always thought, what are you going to give me out of the occasion? Like when I'd go back to visit my family, um, I was always like just like kind of scared to see what was going to unfold with my family of origin and I would like you know, just be all wound up tight, you know, I was, because I was relying on self and not on my higher power, I was very self-centered and very, you know, running the Sherry Show, and, you know, the difference today is I do think about what can I bring to the occasion to things, to people, Uh, that's where I'm so different, but I also want to say that it's important that, you know, if you, you know, 
are on shaky ground, it's okay to admit I'm on shaky ground. I really don't think I should be going there. And, you know, there's that other side because sometimes I can be on shaky ground and I don't need to be in places like that. What I need to do is work with another compulsive reader. And um, then last but not least is that I'm just so grateful <coughs> that there's instructions like this here that I can do that. And, you know, I used to be in a program, a, another food program, that scared the heck out of me about doing any of this kind of stuff. And today I feel more free to do it. And I always believe in practicing these principles in all my affairs. And if I can't practice the principles in all my affairs, I limit my affairs. And with God going with me all the time. Thanks. And I pass. Thank you. And if I could remind people to please stay muted and somebody just cleared their throat, we'd love to have a clear, clean line. Shawnee B. followed by Millie. Hi, it's Shawnee B. Uh, grateful, compulsive, recover compulsive overeater from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, thank you, everyone who makes this meeting possible, and thanks for your service, Sylvia. Um, what comes to mind to me is um, the way that I was struggling before I came into program. Um, every diet that I went on was fighting the food and fighting the food and fighting the food, and I was so sick and tired of living that way. And I, I did not socialize for a year. I did not go to Shabbat meals that I was invited to. Um, you know, all my friends and neighbors were socializing every week. I couldn't go. I couldn't go because I knew that I had no willpower to resist what was put in front of me. And I didn't want to eat it, but I didn't know how not to eat it. And um, I, never, I never thought that there was a solution out there to that, to that problem. Um, little did I know that, that my problem wasn't even the food. But to come into program and to hear all the people on the line talking about a solution to my problem of the, um, the problem that was inside of me, I never knew that the food was a symptom to a deeper problem. And going through these steps has been absolutely life-changing. Um, I, I, can, I can go out for meals. I go out for meals very often. Um, we have um, Rosh Hashanah coming now. I am invited out for three meals um, over, the, over this um, long weekend of holiday that we have. And I'm not worried about compulsively eating. Um, I bring God into it. I am excited to go pray for the first time in my entire life. I am excited for this holiday of prayer. And I'm, I'm forever grateful. I'm, I'm so grateful that I can, I can go places. I can socialize. Um, and as long as I'm doing my spiritual work, that um, I know that I'm safe and protected from from this from the craziness that um, that has been my life. Um, and I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Shawnee. Uh, Millie, followed by Beth, and it, make sure I have the initial of your last name, please. Millie, start one. Give you another second, Millie. Start one. Is that better? Can you hear me yes, now? Yes, now I can hear you. And the yeah, is your last name? Uh, is D as in dog? Thank you. Go ahead. Um, I'm from uh, La Mesa, California, just outside of San Diego. And um, I was blessed to be at the convention this weekend. And it's given me the courage to speak on this line finally. Yeah, I've been listening for a long, long time and have been afraid to share. But this, this part of the big book reminds me that I go into this every day when I go to work. Um, I'm a hairstylist, and our clients like to bake us happy. And during the um, holidays especially, and they're right around the corner, I can remember an incident that uh, somebody bought, brought in some ooey-gooey that was just, you know, really amazing looking. And I was behind a wall of where this was sitting. There was a doorway there. And one of my coworkers was eating some of this. And, she, and I hope this doesn't offend anybody. But she started going to, into the, oh, this is so good. Oh, my God. I can't believe how wonderful this is. And she would go on and on. Had I not known she was out there eating, I thought she, I would have thought she'd been making love to someone on the other side of the wall. It was um, amazing. And it really came to mind for me that that's what I used to do every night. When I would sit in my chair and I would get my bowl of stuff 
and I would sit there and eat myself into a food gasm. And then I'd pass out and get up and go to bed. Well, I'd get up and go to bed, and then I'd pass out. And um, I'm so grateful for this program that I've, I have had the willingness and the ability to live by the directions in this book for 15 and a half years now. And it has been such a blessing. I'm, I, I feel real emotional about it because there's been so many things that have happened in this 15 years. And, and I can still be neutral around the food. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for um, OA and for the fellowship and for this meeting. You know, I get on this meeting every morning now, and it, and it is really, really helping me stay connected. Uh, every morning I sit before I listen to the meeting, and I connect with God, and I ask God to give me the strength to have clean, abstinent, moderate food every day because you know, like I've heard people say on this line, I can't stay clean on yesterday's shower. I have to connect with my higher power and let, let him into my heart and know that I can walk through my day no matter what comes into that salon, no matter who brings what. I, can, I bring my abstinent food, and it's there. So when I get hungry, I don't have to think about going for the ooey-gooey because that's what I used to do. So I didn't time myself. I don't know if the time is, is coming yeah. close. Yes, thank you. I am grateful for all of you. Thank you. And Millie, thank you for having the courage to get on the line with us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Uh, Beth B. followed by Chris, and we're going to run out of time. So, uh, Beth, go ahead. Beth, start one. Good morning. This is Beth B. calling from Charlottesville, Virginia. And uh, I, I'll make my share brief, uh, but I, I just want to point out that these paragraphs for me, uh, if we have a legitimate reason for being somewhere, well, I don't know about the rest of you, but my disease, my, my problems with food, they follow me everywhere. Um, my emotional problems, they follow me everywhere. So what, what I've been experiencing lately is that I, I had better work these steps like my hair is on fire every single day to put myself in the best position for, for God to help me because it, it, it really does affect my life in every single facet, not just if I go to, to a party or if I'm going to work or if I'm even sitting at home alone. Uh, this, this disease has touched me in every single place that I have been. Um, there is uh, access to my drug everywhere. And uh, so anyway, and, 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 I, and I have, I, I'm fairly new to the program. I hear a lot of strength on this line, and I am so grateful for it because uh, without this daily inoculation, um, I, I, I don't do so well. And um, the food still calls to me sometimes. So uh, with that, I will pass. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Beth B. Chris, uh, it's your turn if you could give me the initial of your uh, last name. And you, we only have two minutes left, so, and we won't get to you, oh. Gina. I'm sorry. No worries. Our last name is B. Okay. Boy. Go ahead. And we, we've got two minutes for you. Thank you very much. Right on. Um, hi, everyone. Visions. Uh, this is Chris. He's in St. Louis. A Baltimore reader. And just grateful to be online in fellowship with you all and not to be alone. This morning, uh, no shame in being a compulsive eater at all. I'm uh, powerless over all food, (laughs) healthy food and food I don't like. And this passage actually reminds me of being in the program for four years and being without 200 pounds. That's what it took for me to hit a bottom, like to be worse off than when I started to be open to a big book sponsor or someone that made me feel uncomfortable when I got on the phone and did things that I, uh, you know, didn't make sense, did things that were a little goofy, like calling someone before I was going to a eatery or feeling shaky, um, like it says in the book. And really what I'm 
what I'm drawn by is the obsession. I, I will have the obsession of the mind until I die. doesn't mean I'm going to obsess about food, but that's just the way my mind operates. And, you know, it is insidious. Someone shared out of the book as well. Like, I need to get on the phone. That's like my protocol. If I feel like someone's changing my food plan uh, or giving me an option, like, let's go eat here. And I already have my food planned. And I feel like I'm actually contemplating, well, can I eat it? You know, or can I not? It doesn't matter if the answer is yes or no. It matters that I'm asking the question, but I believe I have power at that point if I'm asking if I can add something or change something on my plan for that day. And my protocol is if I'm an obsession, I'm really going to eat. And I'll wrap up here. At, I need to get on the phone. As goofy as it sounds, there's no shame. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be awarded uh, doing this thing alone <laughs> by any means. So great to be online, guys, and uh, hope everyone has an amazing day. Thank you. Thank you, Crispy. Thank you to everyone who shared, and please stick around to the end of the recording, and Melanie C. will be greeting newcomers. And thank you, to, thank you to Team Wednesday. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer, and I will now ask Penny Elsie to read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Sylvia. This is Penny Elsie, Grateful Recovered in this day. Our book is meant to be subject ah, oh my. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize that we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others this is the great fact for us abandon yourself to God as you understand God admit your faults to him and to your fellows clear away the wreckage of your past give freely of what you find and join us we shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny May God bless you and keep you until then.